why you, why your brand, why should I do this now, and why this, what you're proposing, yeah? And I think if you're unsure how to answer those questions, and every time I challenge an agent, I go, why would I use you? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Cass Charlesworth, Elevate podcast producer and host of today's show. In this podcast special, we're taking a greatest hits approach, having enjoyed a deep dive into the vault of knowledge we have on hand from some of the best practitioners in the real estate business. The theme of today's show is lessons in listing, at a time when demand for properties is outstripping supply and securing available listings is critical. Our show today kicks off with Claudio and Cena. As one of the real estate industry's best-known coaches, Claudio is a performance mentor and trainer with 20 years industry experience, including almost a decade as a leading real estate agent. In this first tip, Claudio shares his insight into gaining listings through consistent lead conversion that involves answering four essential questions. And so what are the three key areas where you see that agents are making mistakes right now? Yeah, I'd probably say the three key areas is the inconsistent lead flow coming in. So there's not enough leads coming into their business. Some months are really good months, other months, very quiet months. There's not enough consistency coming in. Second thing would be the failure to convert, right? Like at a listing appointment to a listing, I'd have to tell you conversion, that's where all the money's made. So if you're not converting in your listing appointment into an actual listing, you've got leakage, there's cracks happening. it, And you need to have somewhere between what I call, you know, strength to superpower, somewhere between you want to have that conversion at 80% or more. But conversion doesn't just rely on that. Conversion is also is Sometimes how many, you know, phone calls we make to how many appointments we get. So I had a, a client the other day and he was, he's got a sales associate um, within his team. He goes, I said, how's she going? And, and he went, I'm not sure. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean you're not sure? And he said, um, I said, let's look at her numbers. So we looked at her numbers and I think she did 90 connects, like conversations, but it booked six appraisals. So if we look at that number, so every 15 connections, she books an appraisal. I actually said to him, I said, her conversion's pretty good. And he was like, I never looked at it that way. So sometimes we think, how are they going? Is like maybe what are they up to during the day or how they're doing? But conversion is such an important metric within someone's business. And the failure to convert is probably the biggest mistake, either on phone calls, ringing people, converting to appointments or converting a listing appointment to an actual listing. What is the main reason that agents fail to convert? Like I'm sitting here, I'm an agent and you're the vendor and you're thinking about selling your house. What is the main thing that you're looking for from an agent as a vendor right now? I think a couple of questions that you need to be answering it and you need to articulate it in a very interesting, believable, desirable and powerful way. And I believe they're thinking 
why you? Number one, there's 50 agents in my suburb, and that's no joke in my own suburb, like 58, not 50 offices, but 50 different agents in the marketplace. So why you? Why your brand? So what would I choose your franchise or the boutique agency you work for or whoever? The other question is why now? Like, why should I list my home today? So why you? Why your brand? Why should I do this now? And why this, what you're proposing, yeah? And I think if you're unsure how to answer those questions, and every time I challenge an agent, I go, why would I use you? And every time it goes into, we're a boutique brand. I'm passionate. Yeah. I'm passionate. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can ring me. Like, yeah, so is the other 49 agents. They're all passionate and they all bring the energy. And not just that, it's not being able to articulate that message in a very powerful way. So I call this thing contestable value, right? I'm a big, massive believer. We've just done Transform, Samantha, and we talked a little bit about this in the program where every agent in your marketplace offers a similar product and a similar service to you. And if you don't have what I believe is called your X factor in a listing appointment or listing presentation, you're just a goddamn commodity in the marketplace. And as a commodity, everyone would just choose you on price. So why can one person in the marketplace get more listings, charge more, versus another agent that doesn't win the listings and he's actually, all he's got in his toolbox is a really low fee and cheap marketing perhaps. Why? Because the guy who's got getting it and winning it and has a conversion of 80% of the listing appointment is able to articulate those four things. Why you, your brand, why now, and why this? Yeah. So they're things that everybody should be able to answer, whether you're an agent or any sort of business, you should be able to answer those questions. Our next top tip comes courtesy of Chari Emazad of Barry Plant in Geelong. When Chari started in the industry six years ago, he quickly identified he would need a high volume of sales in order to achieve success. Chari has been named the top-listed seller for the Barry Plant Group for five years running and recently managed the impressive feat of selling 1,000 homes in just six years. Here, he shares his insight into phone prospecting and the importance of having a plan. So let's talk prospecting because you're big on picking up the phone, which I think with all the technology that we've got available to us, perhaps it's becoming a little bit of a lost art. You're renowned for how many phone calls you make. How many phone calls would you make a day, just on an average day? I make anywhere between 80 to 100 connects per day. Yeah, wow, that's a lot. They can be 250 calls, but I concentrate on connection rather than making calls. So some agents get worried about picking up the phone that the other person on the other end is not going to be too nice or going to hang up or whatever. How is it that you have the mindset to make that many calls every day? Well, I have no other options, Samantha. So at this start, obviously, I was too scared picking up the phone as well to the point that I had to do something to be successful in real estate. And a couple of times I asked my director what to do and he pretty much said, pick up the phone. And the mindset I had, real estate wasn't about just being a telemarketer. You know, I didn't get into real estate picking up the phone. But then I had to change the mindset to be successful, obviously, in real estate and make peace with it. And I realized that my job in real estate was talk to people, identify people that wants to sell, find buyers and put them together. And everything started with that. And the only way that I could do that was picking up the phone and introduce myself to people. Actually, it's something that Gavin Rubenstein says a lot, I remember, is that you've just got to think of yourself as a really highly paid telemarketer and be okay with that. That's right. When you pick up the phone, I know some of the concern is, I'll pick up the phone and call people, but what do I say? 
So what are some tips for younger agents that are struggling with that idea of picking up the phone at the moment? Well, obviously, the more you do it, better you get. So every area is different. My concept was because I did fail a lot. I did have a lot of people um, hanging up the phone, not talking to me. So what I realised was uh, you're calling someone when they're at home with the family or maybe they're having a bad day. So you shouldn't take it too seriously. That's first of all, if they talk back or they hang up the phone. The whole concept for me was I wanted to keep it less than 10 seconds and come up with different ideas. Like one of my scripts is in which... I still use it and got me into a lot of doors, is uh, hello, it's Chari calling from Barry Plancher on Real Estate. Sorry to bother you, just wanted to let you know we're going to be in your area giving out free market appraisal. Would you like to get one done as well? So I start with sorry, so they stop some hanging the phone up. I don't give a time frame saying that I'm going to be in the area next week. I just keep that open as well so they can't say no and just um, keep going like that keep it less than 10 seconds and keep it effective and really fast. It's interesting what you just said then about calling at different times. Is there any particular time that you think you have most success in actually getting people to hear you out? That goes with your farm area again. My area, I've got around 8,000 homes, 50% of them works, 50% of them is retired. So my strike rate, it's 8 in the morning until 8 o'clock at night time. But then if you have an area that mainly everyone works, well, you shouldn't make calls in the morning. It's it's up to the agent to identify that and then find out exactly what time frames that they should call or pick up the phone and call their areas. Yeah, so if you're in an area where people are travelling to and from the city or something like that, calling them while they might be in the car or something like that is probably not a bad move. Exactly. I don't call anyone between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I've got two beautiful boys and I know how stressful it is. When, you know, parents pick their kids up or as soon as possible, the kids come back home, stressful, they want to eat, they want to do this, they want to do that. So one of my biggest no-nos is I don't call anyone between three and four. Yeah. Do you have any mindset tips for agents who might be listening to this thinking, I've just had one hang up too many? How did you actually make peace, as you said, with becoming more active on the phones? When I started real estate, I figured that my mindset was the wrong mindset. Because I got into real estate, which I stopped at Eric as well, thinking about, you know, I was going to drive fast cars and expensive watches, shiny shoes. That was the mindset I got into real estate at the start, and I was going to make a lot of money within 48 hours. But I came to a conclusion that real estate is actually hard work. So I shift my mindset um, to volume of sales rather than commission. And I wanted to have a 50% market share in my area. And I wanted to have, I wanted to sell more. Um, properties in my farm area than anybody else. So I figured that exactly what I wanted to do. That was my mindset. And I came up with a prospecting plan, business plan and marketing plan to execute that. Did you have any help from other people in Berry Plant to crystallize those numbers and things? At the start, I did have a couple of help, obviously, from my directors telling me what to do, pick up the phone and all those things. But I pretty much self-educated myself daily basis. Every morning, I got up at 430 practice on prospecting, I practice on listing presentation, practice on negotiation skills. I was reading a lot of books, reading, watching a lot of agents, what they do. And six months later, though, picking up the phone, I got my first PA. So after six months in real estate, I started getting help from my PA. Yeah. So you just touched on a couple of things there that I'd like to pick up on. So a lot of people, they do come into real estate thinking it's all fast cars and and watches and that 
there are overnight successes, but we all know that that's probably not true, not to burst anyone's bubbles or anything like that. With all the work that you put in in the beginning, how long did it take you to start seeing the fruits of your labour in that way? Two and a half years. I, I didn't make any money for two and a half years. I worked in an area that I used to sell $180,000 homes and my commission was $2,500. So that's why I couldn't concentrate on the commission part. So I had to come up with different ideas to motivate me and reach to my goals. And that's why I changed everything rather than concentrate on the commission part, volume part. And I thought, okay, if I want to be a million-dollar agent, if I want to be a top list, top seller, I need to sell 150-plus properties per year. And that's what I concentrated on. And it worked out really well. But after three months being in real estate, I got my first PA, and I was still behind of my retainer. And a year after that, I got my second PA as an admin manager, and I was still behind my retainer. And it was, I was really behind. And it took me two and a half years all up to be in front of my return and start making money. But it paid off really well because at the moment I'm running with four and a half thousand people in my database. And I created a system that I list anywhere between 20 to 30 and I sell anywhere between 18 to 20 per month. Yeah, I mean, look, that takes a lot of self-belief and belief in the process to take on a couple of PAs and be behind. So what were you telling yourself during that time that it was all going to be okay? I did. Uh, look, I did. I was afraid a bit because I was keep asking my directors, "Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it?" And they were keep telling me, "Look, you're picking up the phone more than anybody else. Your database is growing. Just continue like that, and you will make it." And I thought, okay. So as every other business that you open in Australia, it will take at least two to two and a half years for you to start making profit. So I looked at it. Okay, let's change the concept. I'm in real estate. My director is actually giving me retainer, which is stay like a business loan. They like a bank every month. I've got two and a half years to execute this and start paying them back. And I stopped stressing about if I was going to survive. I just started focusing on, yep, two and a half years, I'm going to make it. Two and a half years, I'm going to make it. If I leave from here, any business I open, it's going to take two and a half years. So that's what I concentrated on. Our next words of wisdom come from Jeremy Wilkinson of Harcourt's Launceston. Jeremy is the recipient of the 2020 REA Award for Top Residential Sales Agent in Tasmania after selling 115 properties last year valued at around $46 million while also receiving 61 five-star reviews. In this clip, Jeremy shares his approach to building relationships that secure listings in the long run. For the young guns that might be listening, because there's quite a few of them that listen to this podcast that like to learn from the experts, what are your top tips for building relationships without being annoying? Yeah, it's so hard to not be the stalker because I see so many that are and you just go, pull it back, kids. It's about, well, first, building genuine rapport with people, but it's not sitting in the house and having a three-hour coffee with them. It's about three-minute touch points every now and again. Thankfully, I've got some beautiful assistants that are work with me, but we've got amazing systems. We're literally... Whether it's monthly, quarterly, half yearly or yearly, I get basically a pile of folders every week or every day put on my desk and they come out of our database system and they go, you've got to ring all those people this morning. And I go, oh, I hate this. I hate it. I actually hate it. But it doesn't seem dollar productive, but my assistants always go, when I put that pile back, they go, 
how'd you go? Well, I've got a couple of listings. They go, mate, make more calls. <laughs> Making the calls and having a database, a system that allows you to do the personal touch because we're too busy hiding behind our keyboards at the moment. And I find the chat and then the go and meet is a thousand times better. It's a thousand times better. Not saying emails and database emails are great, aren't bad, they're brilliant, but they're part of the recipe. Yeah, it's interesting finding things to talk to people about. I was listening to a radio program while I was driving home about Queensland and there was this person that came on that said, the real estate agent's hounding me to sell. He calls me every day asking me for an appraisal because the market's pretty crazy up here as well. What sort of things do you talk to people about that are just not necessarily let me come and do an appraisal? I've tried to position myself, and this will sound a bit out there, but I've tried to position myself as their expert. And I've given all the training over to because it's hundreds and hundreds of hours a year, literally. It's to be their expert, but do it subliminally. Don't be the one that rings them up and, I sold 1.2 houses in the last two weeks. Idiot. Seriously, I don't care. For me, you want to see my files. Every file I've got on every person, and it's paper file. Yeah, right, we've got a database that does everything, but I'm a little bit old for that. from that point of view. I'm 48, so I probably am old. For me, I've got notes on everything I've ever talked to them about. I've got them back to 19 years ago. I know their kids' ages. I know everything. So I'm talking to them about what they've been doing. The last time I go, they were going to Queensland for a holiday. How was that? And it's just having a two-minute chat. It's trying to limit to a, limit it to a two-minute chat, not a 20-minute chat, which you can get into, which just mucks up your, your time, basically. Yeah, yeah. And when your assistant hands you this pile of files of a daily basis of people to call, how many files do you reckon you get handed on a daily basis? 30. 30. 20 or 30. And if I can do 30 calls a day, I'm happy. And I'll sometimes miss a day or two and I'll have a massive pile and I'll just have to lock myself in a room for three hours, which I hate, so I try and do it every I mean, I want to be out there. I'm, I know what I'm good at and it's being out in the field, but it's probably also talking to people. So do what you're good at, but I'm always trying to find excuses not to ring or not to call. And they just I gave up coffee literally six months ago because I think it was sending me crazy because <laughs> I'd just make excuses. So I'd go and get coffees for everyone. I ended up buying coffees for the office every time I wanted to not do database calls. What are your tips at the moment for making sure that you don't miss when it gets to the living room and it gets down to crunch time? It's probably just being ultra prepared, right prepared right now. And luckily, stuff like all that sort of stuff, you're promoting yourself at awards might get you to the door. But if you're not, switched on and ready, you kicked out in 30 seconds. I think I was Rick Rushton there a couple of weeks ago we were doing a seminar with and he basically stats now take, you've got three seconds to win someone over. It used to be 30 seconds or whatever. Three seconds, you've got to have them caught right there. If you don't, you're out. So it's about being super prepared, prepared, knowing everything that's going on in the area and probably most of the time not sitting there babbling on for three hours. People are busy and busy. They've got crazy things that are going on in their lives. Just give them a half an hour window or a 45-minute window and be concise and give them everything they need right there and then. Most want to do a double stage, triple stage, quadruple stage, slam at home and after I've met you seven times. Beauty contest. Absolutely. (laughs) 
But the trick here, actually, number one thing, I reckon, and I haven't got it on now, number one thing is turn up looking the part. Look like what you your mum and dad might have expected a real estate agent to look like. Have the nice suit on, be dressed well, do your hair, polish your shoes. I think Glenn Cortino told me that like 20 years ago when I went training with him. He's going, just look the part, mate. You're probably going to win most. Seriously, that's probably my number one tip. It's not hard market either, but it's just look like the right words are going to come out of your mouth. (laughs) In February this year, we spoke with Tim Heaviside an 18-year veteran of the real estate industry and a director and auctioneer at Fletcher's Real Estate in Melbourne. In this key takeaway, Tim shares his tips on listing presentations, including insight into how he prepares mentally. If I could ask you for other agents, what are some of your best listing presentation tips to get people over the line, particularly this year? Setting up the listing presentation is very important. So I tend to, once I've connected to an appraisal by sending them a little text message, reconfirming the appointment and sending my contact to them. So it shows you're on the ball. A lot of agents won't do it. And so you're ahead before you even meet them. So you ask some pretty good questions, ask about their motivation, who you're going to be meeting, the decision makers, try and set it up properly. And I've had some disappointments in terms of listing presentations where I'm not actually dealing with the decision maker. So really work hard to try and get to the decision maker or steps that where you can eventually get to the decision maker. That's quite important. I ask a lot of questions about their situation, what's their situation, what's their motivation, what's happened in the past, have you sold before, how's that experience been, why did you buy the home, when you bought the home, have you done any improvements to the home? Oh, gosh, wow, look what you've done. That looks fantastic. Stroking the arm. Gee, look at that deck. That's unbelievable. And then bringing that back into the listing presentation and just reinforcing what we want to do, Samantha, with your home, is able to provide outstanding marketing. So when buyers will come in and the reason why you bought the home in the first place was because of the view and the fact that you've actually been able to build that deck, that's only going to reinforce to the buyers and I'm going to be the agent that's going to bring the buyer out onto the deck and just show them that. And I think if you can you know, visualise, I'm very visual in the listing presentation. I draw a lot, I write a lot. I'm childlike, I like to tell jokes, jovial a little bit, anything I can to connect with people. And when I'm saying jokes, I'm just saying, like, I don't tell, or maybe sometimes I do, but (laughs) I don't tell it like a a joke, but it might be just trying to keep people lighthearted. Anything I can to connect with people. So asking questions, this is how you create connection and likability, and that's all it is. We're all talking the same thing. It's all about a structure, but likability and connection comes from asking questions, being jovial or likable, being childlike. So I draw, that's a part of, I draw pictures, not like cartoons and things, like I draw timelines and I explain things by what I'm saying visually so I can leave it with them. So those things like that and, and just keeping eye contact. And I think what happens whenever someone's listening to this, you win the listing never buy that much. It's always just by that much. Even when you've been in the industry for close to 19 years and you might have wonderful market share in a suburb, which I do in Surrey Hills, I've got really, really good market share individually as an agent. That doesn't guarantee you nothing. And you could win the listing just still by that much each time. It's amazing. You do have to scrap. And I believe I'm the king of scrappers sometimes because my numbers look awesome, but they're scrapped. 
they're scrapped every time, Samantha. I'm scrapping. <laughs> Not all the time, but mostly, you know, you, you've got to work hard to get the work. But the two things I love most about the job, without question, is listing the property and auctioneering. If I was teetering on the brink of, Tim, I really like you a lot. We're considering you and this other guy down the road. He's slightly cheaper. I kind of like you a bit more, but it's all about the dollar at the moment. What would you say to me? Well, so if it's about commission or it's about advertising, you may need to make a business decision. So that's one thing. I often ask the question, so if all things were equal, would you pick me? Would you feel most comfortable to move forward with me? That provides a closing opportunity. And then from there, you would say, look, what fee structure did you have in mind? Because what you think you're hearing may not be necessarily what's in there. If I ask you the question, for example, what is marketing? I'd get, I reckon, 10 different answers from 10 different people. What's marketing? Some people might say, oh, marketing is advertising. Marketing is how you get buyers in the door. Marketing is the internet. People would say different things about, and you can't pretend you know what people are thinking inside. So it might be they're testing you. So by asking the question, so Samantha, if all things being equal, would I be right to say you feel more comfortable with me than the other agent? I definitely think your jokes are better. (laughs) Well, in that case, if we can agree on the commission, would you feel comfortable we can move forward right now? Yep, I definitely would. I would say yes to you. Can I say, when you do that, and if you're listening right now and watching, and you can replay this, the little head nod when you ask the question, the little head nod goes with the clothes. So do you feel comfortable to move ahead with me now? That's that mirroring thing because that's that chimpanzee thing where you start mirroring the person opposite you. It's very hard to say no to that. And if you're sincere and say, look the person in the eye and you ask it, so have I done enough to earn your business? (laughs) We're all nodding again now. Yeah. The magazine might be out by the time we release this podcast, but Travis Williams from Box and Dice has done a cracking interview and there's a big a big spread of you in the magazine with some of your tips for listing in a tight market. Can you just give us a little preview of that? Number one, get, try and get in as many doors as possible and it, it, all the different avenues you can. So cast your net long and wide. Rather have one right in the water, put the net in and grab everyone. That's what I say. So p- try and get as many opportunities as you can. And, hey, I've listed, what, 19 properties this month so far, but I've, lo- I've lost some. So that's part of the business, unfortunately. And you don't get them all. You can't get every kick in the footy field. What I would say to anyone that's watching is it doesn't matter what you text. The fact that you text is great. I text after. may not necessarily be right after. could be the next day at a time that I feel like is appropriate. I chase the business. If I can't close it down and I ask the question to close it, and I ask for all the time if I've done enough to earn the business, I always ask. I asked last night, there's this lady, Denise, I think she really genuinely does feel comfortable. She had her, like, advisor there and I asked, like, two or three times in different ways without being super pushy, but they weren't quite ready. So I sent her a text this morning. And it was a level of commitment that I'm committed to and I am. And I really genuinely, sincerely want that business. So it's in my mind uh, rather than it's a bit of paperwork and I'll just leave it somewhere and poor old Denise and may I may not get it. She's in my head. Like I really want that job. So I'm really, my energy is towards Denise because I really believe I'm the right person can be able to help her through that process. Other things that I can give in terms of tips is to be on time. 
So Denise said to me, gee, you're on time. I thought, gee, is that, is that a shock or something? It was ridiculous, you know, but try And she said, oh, some agent uh, that I'm not going to use, she said, oh, she had four or five agents here. They looked half asleep. I thought, oh, well, you know, where's the energy? You know, you have to have the right energy when you're going in. And can I say, if you are struggling because you might have done two or three appraisals and some buyer appointments as an agent and you you could be at 6.30 at night, which it was with Denise last night, and by the time I left the home, it was well after 7, and you might think that's not too late. It's, it's normal, which I think it is, but you have to have the right energy. So sometimes energy can be manufactured within by either doing some things like some really great cool music in the car on your way there, having a thought process on the conversation ahead of time. So for this particular property, I had some some sales in the suburb that I've either currently got listed or have sold that's something that's going to be worthwhile talking about in the conversation. So I'm thinking about it. And also sales of properties that I've sold and, and also currently on the market in the neighbouring suburbs. So they're in my mind before I'm going into the, the presentation. I get there, I think about where the board, where I want the board to go. So I've got a mental, I've actually got the listing and where I'm going to place the actual board. So you're visualising success. I'm visualising, yep. Yeah. And I know this sounds all little silly things, but it means a lot to me. I take a few breaths. So what could happen if I'm feeling a little bit too pumped up, which sometimes I am, then I would take some slow breaths in to calm myself so I'm nice and neutral. Uh, my energy is level. So it could be and I'll do like probably three or four of those nice big breaths. On the other side, if my energy is a bit low, and I've got to be honest with you, around 3.30 in the day, I say, I'd say probably between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m., I go into a bit of a lull patch. Yeah. No matter what I eat or drink, I just my energy goes down a little bit. So I tend to do short breaths, breathing in as much as I can with my nose and quickly out with my mouth. So you can do this just so I can show people what I do. So <laughs> And you know what? Your brain fills up with oxygen. Baby, we're ready to go. Let's go get them. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Our final words of wisdom today come from the ever-popular Josh Tesselin, who quickly carved out a successful career selling $1 million worth of property in his first year of real estate. In an interview recorded in 2020, Josh shared his expertise on closing the deal and having vendors sign up then and there. A lot of young agents, when they're competing with established agents in a listing presentation, you'll have to go in with, I've got a lot of energy and here's my process and I've got a seven-point plan and I've heard all these different sort of techniques. But you never actually had to go through that. It was just purely based on… It was based on results. And look, don't don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of energy. I always say to people, if someone's got more energy than me, something's up. You are. You're the energizer bunny. I can tell already. Something's up. And look, energy sells. When you're in a listing appointment, people obviously and vendors especially and buyers as well, they want to have good energy. They want to feel excited throughout the process. They want to have someone that's confident. I'm a very confident person. I know what I can do. And obviously, confident 
confidence. As a young agent, a lot of people think, you know, I have to start off with 10 listings or 20 listings. You just have to start off with one, one listing. And I proved it five B Ohio place. And I leveraged that into over 30 duplexes. And then all of a sudden you've got a market share. And then all of a sudden you're all getting called in. And then look, with that comes hard work. Like if someone called me, as I said to you before, I'm not a morning person at all. Like I'll, I'll get into the office at 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock some days, but I'm finishing at 12 p.m. at night, one o'clock at night. So the late hours is where I pick up a lot of my business. People don't want to do them. I don't have that many commitments in my life. So I feel, um, yeah, now's the time to definitely utilize the time. Yeah, so there's a couple of major points of difference that I'm hearing there too. One yeah. is is that you specialized in duplexes and you became the duplex guy. I did. And I guess what's in that for everyone that might be listening is that, you know, it is useful to specialize. And secondly, your point of difference is that you're available when the others weren't. Always. So if the others are available in the morning and you're available in the evening, that it's, it's always better to have that. Absolutely. That's my time slot. Like people will call me up and say, oh, Josh, you know, I know it's after hours, but, you know, my husband and, and the kids don't go to bed and my husband come back from work at about 8 o'clock. And if I said to them, look on the phone, that's not an issue for me. Yeah. Right now, if I'll be there at 8.30. You guys have dinner and I'll be there just afterwards. Are you happy to do that? Absolutely. And think about it. If I said to you, if you were selling your home and, you know, you had an agent at 8.30 p.m. at night, A, they're showing they're committed. B, they're taking time out of their life to be there. If they're good, they have good energy. Imagine getting the next person in at 8.30 p.m., it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, that's why I get a lot of my business. I'm a very good closer as well. When you're in the appointment, you've got to be able to close. No point sitting there, you know, building rapport and sharing stories and four hours blabbing on and then you leave without the signature. You think you've got it and then two weeks later, it's on realestate.com and you've missed it because someone a little bit hungrier or someone just asked the question, are you happy for me to be your agent? They look at each other. He who speaks first loses and they look and say, yep, we're happy. Let's move forward. Bang, straight away. Get the authority and you've got the listing. Yeah. So, you were telling me too, like before we actually turn the recording button on, yeah. that you have a bit of a technique there is that you just pull out the pen. I do. Because if you hand someone something, yeah. they'll take it Abs- from you. It's a natural human reaction. You hand them the pen. I usually say to them, look, I usually go through my listing presentation, go through my stats, go through what I offer in terms of marketing, go through my results, go through a lot of vendor testimonials as well, yeah. stats, how many I sell in the area, my market share, buyers I've got from other properties. And then I'll say to them, I just look at them and say, look, guys, I've gone through the listing presentation. You guys have said that you're looking to come on the market within the next month. Are you guys happy for me to be your agent? Then I'll pull out my pen and give it to them. And then they'll usually look at each other and say, yep, they'll pull the pen. <laughs> I'll pull out the agency agreement and bang, we got the business. How can people say no to How you? How can that's, people say no? That's what, I, that's what I want to know. Big smile, hand them a pen and you got it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit EliteAgentElevate.com.